Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Scan the QR code to visit our website at AULC.us and find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and TalkShoe. The following presentation is from a new series from Dr. Rob White called Blast from the Past. In this series, Dr. Rob will feature past sermons that were recorded live. We hope you enjoy this new series. Let's start with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come on this Easter Sunday just praising and worshiping you, just thanking you. you. You were true to your word. You said you would die and rise again in three days, and you did. Everything that you said came to pass. Even on the cross, when you said it is finished, it marked the fact that you had everything that you had said had been done, had come to pass. And we thank you for that, Lord. We ask as we get into your word today to hear more and to see more, that you'll open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to what you have to tell us. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. We have two scriptures this morning that we're going to look at. The first one is Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed by this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here. He is resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. cloths. So he went home amazed at what had happened. And in Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the view of the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. 
His appearance was like lightning, and his robe was like white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Good morning. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his words. I want to say Happy Easter on behalf of Athens Universal Life Church, the church where I pastor at. It's a church online, so don't look for a building around because we don't got one. But <laughs> the church is here. We are the church. If someone, because well, I take this too for my online ministry, and if someone out there may be only be watching this today, you know, one day of, of a year, maybe on Christmas, maybe. They're probably terribly confused right now, knowing that we're in Indiana, where one day it can be nice and warm, and the next day we can have six inches of snow. Now, let's, let's go there. But I'm glad everyone's here this morning, and because we've got good news to tell you here. Jesus has risen from the dead. This is the day that he rose from the dead. It's the day that God's grace set us free from our sins. So it becomes a happy Easter indeed. Now, I want to begin this morning by employing an icebreaker that's used often amongst uh, youth groups and small groups and ministry programs. The leader will ask each member of the group to share five statements to the group. Four of them must be true. One is a lie. Now, we're not going to go around and do this because it would take us all day to do that. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to share my list with you, and then... Uh, you can go this afternoon when you're with your families and like that. You can play this little game this afternoon with them because it's kind of fun, actually. So, so my list of four truths and one false, one lie. I didn't drink alcohol until I was 17 years old. I hate tomato soup and rice. I'm married to the love of my life. I once played football in high school. And I can't get enough coffee. You did play football. <laughs> Shh, you're giving away the ending. <laughs> My wife knows me all too well. <laughs> she, she knows that uh, I'm, I'm really big into sports. And my, uh, the, my, someone asked me one time, said, who's your favorite quarterback? And I said, Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and they just looked at me like, what? I know enough to be dangerous, but, and I know he's football or he's basketball, not football. But anyway, it's not easy when you think about it. When you start telling truths and telling a little lie here and there, it's not easy to figure out which is true and which is the lie. Sometimes lies can sound a lot like the truth. Sometimes the truth can sound a lot like the lie. So, what do you do if you believe you can't tell the difference? Now, this has been a challenge for Easter for more than 2,000 years. 
and it continues today. So what is the truth? In each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the resurrection story is told a little differently. That's why I read two different passages this morning, from Matthew and from Luke. You've seen the differences in the two passages. Now, there are two common themes that go through all the Gospels. In each instance, women go to the tomb first. They learn of the resurrection of Jesus, and in each instance, there's an angel or angels waiting for them at the entrance of the tomb. And they're waiting to tell them the good news that Jesus rose again. In Matthew's Gospel today, Mary and Mary Magdalene made their way to sunrise to complete this painful task of involving Jesus. Now, in those days, you couldn't do anything during the Sabbath. The Sabbath would start at Friday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 6 a.m. You couldn't water your pets. You water your donkeys. You couldn't even feed them. You couldn't feed yourself. You had, couldn't make anything. You had to make everything in preparation for that. You could eat, but you couldn't make it. You couldn't do any labor. In fact, in Jerusalem today, the hotels have what's called Shabbat elevators. Shabbat is Jewish for Sabbath. You know, when you get on an elevator, you push a button. Well, pushing a button is considered work. The Shabbat elevator, you just walk onto the elevator and it takes you to your floor and then you walk out of the elevator. You don't gotta push a button. It does it for you. So, I don't know, maybe you know, that'd be all right. But in this case, Jesus was taken off the cross just before 6 p.m. on Friday when he was placed in the tomb. So he was hurriedly wrapped up, put a little bit of ointment and like that on him and put in the tomb. They was going to come back on Sunday morning and finish the job. They get there. It's just after 6 a.m. They can go do that. These faithful women go to finish the job. And when they arrived, they discovered there must have been an earthquake overnight because at the same time, an angel of the Lord appears and tells them, rolls the stone away, tells them he's not here. He's risen. He's gone. Now, apparently... This was such a shocking sight, the Roman soldiers that was left to guard the tomb, they passed out. They fainted. And they, the, the Bible says they were made like dead men. Now, in fact, when the women arrived, the soldiers were still unconscious. They did not come back to consciousness right away. Sitting on the stone is this angel dressed in a dazzling white. He began speaking to the two Marys. And four truths... He spoke to them four truths that would change the course of human history and four truths that have echoed down through the corridors of time and now has come to us on Easter Sunday on 2018. Now the first truth that he speaks is, do not be afraid. Now have you ever noticed in the New Testament, whenever an angel shows up, they use the same opening line. Do not be afraid or don't be afraid. Think about that when you read some of these New Testament passages. When Mary is pregnant with Jesus and an angel shows up and Gabriel shows up and says, Mary, don't be afraid. That's his opening line. You're going to conceive and bear a son. You're going to name him Jesus. And then Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. An angel appears and says, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. 
When the angels are scaring the stuffing out of the, the shepherds in the field, the angels start off with, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. A Savior is born. And then after grieving Jesus' death, these women are told again by an angel, don't be afraid. Now, what if God was to bring you that message today? What if an angel was to appear to you because you've lost your job or you've lost your spouse or you've lost your house or you've lost your hope? You're in the midst of a dark chapter in your life. And then an angel shows up and says, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. God is assuring you, you are not alone in the darkness. And if we hear the message enough in our lives today, we're going to someday believe that's true. Don't be afraid. God is with you. Don't be afraid. Fear does not have the final word. Don't be afraid, the angel says to Mary and to Mary and to each one of us. The second truth spoken on that Easter day there comes out of the first says, don't be afraid because Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, they had just watched him die two days earlier. They saw his side get pierced by a sword. They saw the water and the blood pour out. They witnessed Nicodemus and Joseph from Arimathea place the body in a cold, dark tomb. But now this angel gives the women the best reason ever to not be afraid. It says, because Jesus is alive. He said he would do it, and he did. He told his friends and his enemies, he says, tear down this temple, and it will be rebuilt in three days. Now, they thought that Jesus was speaking of a synagogue that would take, you know, weeks or months to build. But no one knew that Jesus was speaking about his own body. And if he was right about the resurrection, what other truths was he right about too? What else did he tell us? That we might be forgiven of our sins, that we might die a physical death, but then we would also have a resurrection, that we would one day be reunited, reunited with our loved ones and spend eternity dancing in heaven. Now, I don't know if the Marys could grasp everything and all the implications here was happening at that time. Their minds were probably just reeling. But this much... I know they believed at that moment that the man they watched die on a cross that Friday evening had risen again, and he was dead no more. And that the mother of all truths for every Christian ever since that first Easter day is Jesus is alive, and so are we. Now the third truth the angel told them included a bit of tangible proof. Come and see where he was lying, but he wasn't there. The grave clothes were there. The linen that wrapped his body was there. And it was lying neatly in a corner. The body of Jesus, though, was nowhere to be seen. And through the ages, the grave clothes were not proof enough. We needed physical evidence. In the week to follow, we'll hear of Thomas, who was called Doubting Thomas. When he was told of the resurrection of Jesus, he says, I won't believe until I touch his scars. I put my hand in his side. And I'm not going to believe it otherwise. Now, maybe this describes you. Maybe you need more. Ancient writings in the Bible don't do it for you. You have to have evidence. You're in good company because millions of people have struggled with this faith because they can't believe what they can't see. It's just 
too hard to believe. The truth be told, it was the story of the women when they came back from the tomb. It was hard for the disciples to believe them too. They'd gone very early to finish this gruesome labor of love, the embalming of a battered body of their dear friend. Then they find the stone rolled away, but they didn't find a body. As they looked at one another, bewildered, the scripture says, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Why do you look among the, the living? Do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. They continued with a reminder of what they had heard Jesus say before. The prediction of being delivered into sinful men's hands, sinful men, being crucified on the third day, being risen again. They remembered this, but it was still hard to believe. So, what to do now? They go tell the men. The men's reaction is exactly they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Now, you've got to keep in mind, too, back in the first century, a, a woman's words wasn't considered good. Wasn't, they weren't a good witness. Women was considered lower than children, lower than slaves, and people didn't want to believe them. That's why Jesus used women to witness him rising. Now, what would you have thought? Let's move the scene 2,000 years forward now. A dear friend of yours has died an agonizing death. You're responsible for handling the arrangements and you can't get to the funeral home right away because of prior commitments. Two days later, you arrive to finalize the details and you're told that just that morning, the body's gone. Your friend isn't there now. He's like, poof, where'd he go? Perhaps like Peter, you would rush back to the preparation area and you'd verify what you had heard and want to make sure your friend wasn't there. And, You'd be thinking, what have these idiots done with my friend? And you'd focus on something that was just not right. But be honest, after hearing about the resurrection of Jesus for a lot of Easter's, would it ever cross your mind that maybe to glorify God, like Lazarus, your friend, came back from the dead? He now lives. To be honest... These questions aren't all new. Even in the life of the first century church, the questions were raised. The Apostle Paul was concerned enough about skepticism that he addressed the issue at length in a letter to the church at Corinth. He starts off by reminding them of preaching that they have heard from day one. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. And then he continues to list those who saw the risen Christ, the witnesses. Peter, then the disciples gathered in a locked upper room. And there was an appearance about, we, that we don't, don't know any details about, he appeared to 500 people at the same time. Most were still alive when Paul was writing this. And then Paul writes, he appeared to me also on the road to Damascus. Witness after witness after witness. All leads them all to ask, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead when so many people saw Christ at the same time alive? Well, Paul, it's just hard to believe, that's all. But I have to believe, I have to add, though, I do believe. And I tell you because all those witnesses. Now think about it, in our society today, that if you get a courtroom of 12 jurors, 
and they have all these witnesses coming in, and all the witnesses tell the same exact story, the jurors are going to go, something's a little off here. Nobody can see the same exact thing and tell it the same way. But if they get different accounts and they all lead to the same conclusion, now we've got some credible witnesses. Bible scholars know that there are significant differences in the resurrection accounts in all four Gospels. For example, how many women went to the tomb? Was it one, two, three? Was it more? Was the stone already rolled away? Did they see it happen? Was it men or was it angels who announced that Christ had risen? Who of the disciples responded to the women's report? Was it just Peter or was it Peter and John? It all depends on what account you read. After all, the skeptics want to use the differences to convince folks that it didn't happen at all. And just like in a jury trial, because if everyone says the same thing, it could be a hoax. But four Gospels have four different accounts. They all lead to the same conclusion. They don't report the same amount of women, the same amount of angels. The stone's not rolled away. It is rolled away. But it all leads to the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, if you know what difference it makes when you're reading the, the Gospel, Paul answers that in a wonderful resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians, he says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. That means the resurrection is not the beginning. The promise of new life is for you and it's for me as well. God's not done with us yet. And he won't even be done when we come to the end of our earthly lives. The older I get, the more important this becomes. Tom Long, a writer, he writes that it's been my observation that somewhere deep in the forest of life, many Christians come to a fork in the path. Some head in one direction, traveling their last few days in bitterness, shouting at the world for its iniquity, wagging their heads over the sad plight of our time, cursing what this world has come to nowadays. And others, however, are given a gift of traveling the other way, the path of cheerful confidence in providence, this is the path that knows that a banquet table awaits at the end and that a house of music and dancing can already be heard in the distance. This is the path that sees a world of full miracles. This is a way of blessing and a path of gratitude. Now I'm convinced that it's the risen Christ who stands at that parting of the ways there. It's the good news of Easter that it's true. We have hope now. And it's the hope that sustains us even in our darkest hours. And finally, the angel says this, go and tell. You see, once we hear the truth, we're compelled to go tell everyone what the truth is. In the case of the Marys here, they sprinted straight back to the disciples. Everything they had seen and heard. And they would tell others, too, that Jesus was alive. And for 20 centuries, this has been the primary role of the church, to tell the world there is hope because Jesus is alive. If we only share this story within the walls of the church, outsiders, unbelievers will never know. But if we leave this place today and we tell the story in what we say and how we live our lives, people will believe that what we already know is true. Jesus has brought forgiveness to our sins. 
I'll close with this. It's a story that I've told before. I've told it a little differently, but this here's the, the real story here. It bears repeating. A first-year student in a Catholic seminary was told by the dean that he should plan to preach a sermon in the chapel the following day. He had never preached a sermon before. He was nervous and he was afraid, and he stayed up all night, but in the morning he did not have a sermon. He stood in the pulpit. He looked at his classmates and said, Do you know what I'm going to say? All of them shook their heads no. He said, Well, neither do I. Service is over. Go in peace. <laughs> the dean wasn't happy. He says, I'll give you one more chance tomorrow. You better have a good sermon. Again, he stays up all night, and again, he couldn't come up with anything. The next morning, he stood in the pulpit, and he says, do you know what I'm going to say? The students all nodded their head yes. He said, well, then there's no reason to tell you. Go in peace. Service is over. Dean was really angry now. He says, okay, last chance. If you don't have a sermon tomorrow, you're going to be asked to leave the seminary. Again, no sermon came. He stood in the pulpit the next day, and he says, do you know what I'm going to say? Half the students said yes. The other half said no. He says, okay, those of you know, tell those that don't. Service is over. Have a good day. The, sem the seminary dean, he walks over to the student, he puts his arm over his shoulder, and he says, those who know, tell those who don't, congratulations, you just told the gospel today. You've done a good sermon. The gospel has been proclaimed. You historians may remember the name Nikolai Ivanovich Bukharin. Maybe not. Bukharin was a Russian communist leader. He took part in a revolution in 1917. He was the editor of a Soviet newspaper called Pravda, which means truth. He was a full member of some political bureau, and his works on economics and political science are still read today. There's a story told about a journey Bakarin took from Moscow to Kiev in 1930 to address a huge assembly on the subject of atheism. Addressing the crowd, he aimed his heavy artillery at Christianity. He hurled one insult and one argument and proof against it, uh, one after another. An hour later, he finished. He looked out at what seemed to be the smoldering ashes of the people's faith. He says, are there any questions? Deafening silence filled the auditorium. One man approached the platform and mounted the lectern, and he stood near the communist leader. And he surveyed the crowd, first left and then right. Finally, he shouted the ancient greeting known to the Russian Orthodox Church, Christ is risen! In mass, the crowd arose as one man and the other and another responded to, like the crash of a sounding thunder, says, He is risen indeed. There's a subtle lie that's written between the lines every time the resurrection story is told. And the lie is this. The story is not true. Don't believe it. Somebody made this up. It's a myth. Somebody's trying to trick you. Dead men don't come back to life. They don't rise again. God doesn't forgive your sins. You're a miserable loser and don't deserve the love of God. On this Easter day, 2018, we're going to confront that nonsense. We're going to correct the lies that stand before us because Jesus has risen. And my wife's right. I never played football in high school. <laughs> and God loves you. Now those who know the truth, go out and tell those who don't know. Because today the truth has been proclaimed. It's hard to believe. I know that. I believe it. But do you? Have a happy Easter. Let's close in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for giving us the, the truth that we know to be the truth. And we just thank you, Lord, for, for being with us each and every day. Being there, not only in our good times, but in our bad times. And just knowing that you're never far away. You're always right there beside us. We can't thank you enough for that, Lord. We praise you and we worship you. And we thank you for this day and each and every day to follow. We thank you in your son, Jesus, Lord, Jesus, precious. And he's calling. <laughs> Go out this week. Be a blessing and be blessed. Because the more you're a blessing, the more you will be blessed. Everyone have a great Easter. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching and listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Athens Universal Life Church is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. This production is an AULC Studios video production. Copyright 2012 to 2023. All rights reserved. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.